Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 11. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 11. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as the partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the, pride, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your advisory, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to, this, to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. I'm sure it is early enough of the year to greet all of you a blessed new year. I trust you all have a good break over the recent holiday and a good start to the new year. I just have a question to ask you. Do you all have a new year resolution? Yes, no, no. If no, or can I suggest to you that all of us cultivate a habit of counting our blessing, uh, counting our blessing every day at the end of the day, and live a life and cultivate a habit of counting our blessing and giving thanks to the Lord. I think um, being thankful helps us to see things more positively and also, um, yeah, with a grateful heart as we live to the Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances, right? So, and shining for the Lord, of course. And as a church family, we want to live out what we, we, we have talked about last week, walking a life that is worthy of God's calling as His children. Amen. Let us pray as we begin our time together. Father God, we want to thank you for this brand new year. 
we want to forget what lies behind. Yes, there are things, ups and downs that we have been through. But God, we want to thank you for the many lessons, learning experiences that you have allowed us to go through and the many blessings that you have given to us, our loved ones, our families. May we look forward this year with excitement, anticipation, embracing, with the help of God, of course, embracing all that you have for us, with you watching over us as we journey on. So as we look into Scripture today, we pray that your Spirit will come and um, teach us new insights, give us new revelation on this passage before us, as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the book of Peter, the letter of First Peter, was written, of course, by the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And the letter was written to encourage Christians that was living in exile outside of Israel. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says that, that this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Britannia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling of His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. As we read the scripture in the, in the book of the Apostle, in, I think, in chapter 8, we will realize that the early church at that time was facing persecution. And as they faced persecution, the, the Christians, the believers, were scattered all over. And, this, and, the, and the, map, the map will tell us a bit clearer where this letter was arrested. I mean, um, when Peter wrote this letter, it was like a circular that is uh, circulated in in the churches, in the churches that were planted in this area. And scripture tells us that when the Christians were scattered, persecuted, scattered, they preached the gospel, they preached the good news wherever they went. So wherever they went, where they, where they preached the good news, people came to know the Lord, a church was established. And the map would tell us to understand that these places were nearby each other. So in that sense, it's a, it's a letter that goes from one place to another. So everyone, every, every church that is in those areas read the same letter. So it's like you know, um, a letter that, that maybe the bishop or bishop gave to all the churches, the parishes in Singapore or even in the, in the diocese, in the, in, the, in the deaneries. It's the same letter that is gone throughout. So now in those days, they don't have email, huh? So the runner, or rather the, the, the person who carries the letter has to travel to all these places. So that is, that is how it started. So churches that were planted as, um, as the disciples went about preaching the gospel. So Peter was addressing to the churches that were planted. And then if you read First Peter what, chapter 1 to 4, he was, 
he was arresting, ad addressing a, a, a lot of issues. He was trying to encourage the people to remain steadfast. He was trying to encourage the people to look to Jesus because the churches there, they were considered as persecuted churches. People that were persecuted for their faith. That's why they were scattered abroad. So Peter's letter to them was to encourage them to remain steadfast in the Lord. Then after talking about, talking to the, the church, in chapter 5, he turned to talk to the leaders of the church. First of all, in chapter 5, verse 1, he said this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is revealed. So in that sense, Peter identified, he counted himself as one of the leaders. He identified himself with a leader. He said he was a fellow elder, a peer in that sense. A peer. And he considered them, he considered the leaders his equal, their equal. So as his peer, as his equal. The next thing is that he, he identified with them as a weakness. Now, the word weakness here is translated from the original language, the word martyr, no martyrdom, you die for Christ. So, in that sense, he was reminding them that as a weakness for the Lord, remember, huh, they are suffering church. With that in mind, we got to look at this passage. Huh? So, we need to look at this passage with that suffering church behind us. So as a weakness, they run the, as a weakness for the Lord, suffering from the Lord, suffering for the Lord, they run the risk of being martyred, being dying for their faith. So as a fellow elder, as a weakness, and it's a partaker, and as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. That means a partaker of the divine things of God. When we talk about partaker of God's glory, we talk about being a partaker of the inheritance that God has for us. As we read scripture, it's, it, it, it's all there. And a partaker of God's glory. One day when the Lord called us back to himself. So he, that was how Peter identified himself with the leaders. In other words, by identifying himself with the leaders, he was saying that whatever that he said to them was also applicable to him as well. So as much as I'm telling you, as we unpack this passage, I'm also telling myself. So he went on to talk about two major responsibilities that the, the elders or the leaders of the church ought to, ought to have. Two major responsibilities. The first of all is, shepherd the flock, and then providing or exercising oversight. So shepherd the flock, providing and exercising oversight. It's, it's, a, kind, it's a responsibility that Peter gave, reminded the leaders. It's a mandate that he gave to them. Shepherd the flock, provide oversight, exercise oversight. So what does it mean to shepherd the flock? I think this calls for a relationship with the ship, relationship with the people, the people that was under their charge. Relationship is, it, it takes time to build. And we all know that 
if you talk about the role of a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd spends time with his sheep, so much so that he began to know the, the shepherd began to know the habits of the sheep and the likes and dislikes. So in other words, he, Peter was telling the leaders that he, they need to spend time getting to know their members. And of course, one of the important role of the shepherd is to feed the sheep. Okay? And feeding the sheep with the Word of God, which I believe that most of our cell leaders do. It, during the cell group time, we turn to the Word and we dig deep into the Word. And I believe that we do that with one another. In Psalms 23, it, in verse 2, it says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. That's the role of the shepherd. To feed the sheep, bringing the sheep to green pastures and lead this, and lead them to still water, not stagnant water, but still water that fresh water where they can drink. I, I was reading a book called uh, Shepherd Looks at um, Psalms twenty three, and in that book it says that for a shepherd to to bring the sheep to green pastures to save pasture, what the shepherd needs to do is to go or uh, maybe go and recce the field that he planned to bring the sheep to. Be sure that they were not, there were not a lot of rocks, there were not um, insects there, no, no wild animals nearby. So that it, it would be a safe place for the sheep to go and graze on the grass. So that was, that was what the shepherd of old do. Went a step ahead. So as shepherd, we need to go a step ahead too to get to know our members and to feed the sheep. Okay? The second important role is of course fellowship. Getting to know one another, encouraging one another. There's a very popular verse that I'm sure that is probably running in some of your heads now from Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And we all can quote that very well. Huh? And it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What is this day drawing near? The day drawing near is when the Lord will come back again for you and me. So we want to encourage each other that we will all finish the race well. We encourage each other by sharing deeply. The cell group is always a place where you find support. A cell group is a place where you share your needs with one another and pray for one another, caring for one another. So these two verses encourage us to spur one another on loving and do good works through encouragement. And we can do this, of course, through loving care and concern. I guess this is the practical part of shepherding, looking out for one another's needs, keeping updated of those who are unwell. I think we, 
we, we try our best to do that. Now, when you hear of somebody unwell, we try to update and keep in touch and pray for one another. Or even sending an encouragement note to cheer, cheer the person when he's down or when she's down. Just cheer one another up. We are to encourage one another, to spur one another on. We do this out of love for the Lord and for one another. And we all know that love have to be, has to be the basis. And love, as we saw last week, is also one of the attributes about living a life that is worthy of the calling, of God's calling. Without love, then you become very routine, you become very mundane. We're doing it out of duty. So love has to be the basis of our concern and care and in spurring up one another. And all these these and all these are part of providing and exercising oversight, which is the second responsibility that Peter gave to the elders exercising oversight. And then Peter went on to tell the elders the posture that they are supposed to take in providing this oversight. There are three things that he said here. He says, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. He says, not for personal gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but an example. What does it mean that not under compulsion? Nobody take a knife and go to you and say you must be, you must shepherd the flock, you must exercise oversight. It's a voluntarily, it's a volunteer act. It is a role that we play out of our love for the Lord. And out of our love for the Lord, we want to serve the Lord in this way. Okay? So we volunteer ourselves to lead a cell. We volunteer ourselves to, to, um, plan something. We volunteer for church events. The pastoral team, of course, cannot look out for everyone. There's only a few of us, but there are so many of you. So we need the help of our cell leaders. We need the help of everyone in the church to look out for one another because we are all in the same ship together. So we need each other to provide that needed care and love for one another and we need the cell leaders to provide that needed pastoral care of which we all the pastoral team certainly appreciate nah? we appreciate our cell leaders very much then not for personal gain but eagerly not for personal gain means not to push our personal agenda or have a hidden agenda to benefit ourselves. For example, if you are a financial consultant and behind your mind you say, okay, I will go and lead the cell so that I can tell my cell members to buy insurance from me. That is a hidden agenda. That is for personal gain. So I, I, I hope that um, none of us is like that now. Nah. So, eager to serve, not because there is something to benefit us. It's like giving to the Lord, giving and expecting nothing in return. Not for personal gain, 
but eagerly wanting to serve the Lord because we love Him. Okay? Not domineering, as, but as example. Another version of this passage talks about not to lord over. We are there not to lord over. If Peter could identify himself as a peer, as equal, I think we all need to do that too. So reckon, so I reckon that the leaders, that as leaders, we are not to show that we are more superior than one another. After all, we are all fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, isn't it? And our Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 20, He says this, And whoever will be first among you must be your servant. That as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, but to give himself as a ransom for many. So we came, Jesus came to show us the example that we are to serve one another. And providing oversight is also a way that we serve one another. And in, in our service for the Lord, we learn from the greatest servant ever, and that is Jesus himself. Interestingly, Peter also turned to those who are being led, the younger ones. In verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility, toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. The word younger here, I believe that it means younger in faith. And these are the people that, that would expect a response. You know, when you, when you say something, you expect a response. So the response from the ship or of the ship should be one that we should subject ourselves to one another. So they are sub supposed to subject themselves to the elders. Scripture always encourages us to respect one another, to submit to one another. As I always say, don't be yaya papaya. Don't think that we are one notch above everyone else. No matter what position we hold, we need to learn to respect one another, looking into the interests of one another. When we subject ourselves to one another, especially as a church family, or be it in a family, in a household, when we subject ourselves and respect one another, we are preserving the unity and peace within the family. Of course, being submissive is not to be a doormat that you're being to be stepped all over. Rather, learning to love one another and recognizing God's given authority over us, over those, over us, over those who lead and guide us. And God and this authority are given by the Lord, as we all know. And I hold on to this view. I was sharing with the staff that this, this view of mine that I hold for donkey years. That if you do not know submission, you do not know authority. Why? Because if you do not know submission, when authority is given to you, you don't know what to do with it, right? So you abuse that authority that is given to us, given to you. 
So we need to know, if you want to learn authority, we got to start with submission. We are to, and then we are to clothe with one another. This, I mean, clothe with humanities. This applies to everyone, clothing ourselves with humanity. We are to put on, clothe means put on, eh? how you clothe yourself, you put on your clothes, right? So you clothe yourself with humility. So it, it means that it takes effort. It takes action. It requires effort to be humble. Humility is one of the attributes that we talked about last week. And we are going to un unpack it a little bit more in the next few weeks. So I won't, so I won't go that way uh, too much. Just to share with you one verse that I came across. And this verse is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, it, it warns us, Therefore, everyone who thinks that he stands, take heed, lest he fall. So if we think very greatly of ourselves, be careful. The fall, we will fall. And we all know the saying, a pride goes before fall. So true, isn't it? We need to take heed. We need to watch ourselves. Because it is, if we are not humble, if we are full of ourselves, we will run into the trap of not being sober-minded that, 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 Peter, that Peter warned us. It, because if we are not humble and we are full of ourselves, it will blur our vision. We think we think too much of ourselves. We think that we are very clever. So here, we need to adhere to the warnings of Peter. Peter, in verse 8 and 9, he says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So in other words, Peter is saying that you are not alone. The same kind of suffering eh, that those in the persecuted church are going through. You are not alone. Be sober-minded. What does it mean to be sober-minded? To be of sound mind. Not to be carried away or lured away by the temptation of the world or the ways of the world. We will be so stressed and confused if we are not sober-minded, if we are not of sound mind. We will be so stressed, we will be so confused with the attraction and distraction of the world that we may run the risk of, um, of developing some mental issues. Uh. So, being sober-minded is important. You and I need to be sober-minded. And to be alert, in some version, it says, be watchful. Jesus warned in the gospel that the devil is like a thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy anything and everything he can to lure us away from God. So we need to be sober-minded, to be alert in all that we do. And we are to be alert, that we are to keep alert by committing everything to the Lord in prayer 
and by reading the Word of God. Then we will have the strength to resist the devil. It says him. It says here, resist him. So when we are sober-minded, if we are in prayer, if we keep ourselves under the shadow of God, then we can have the strength to resist him. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he talked about the armor of God. He encouraged us to put on the armor of God and to stand firm. Here, Peter encouraged us to be firm in our faith. Our situations are not unique to ourselves, just like what Peter says. What you're going through is, is being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. So sometimes we think that our situation is very unique. Talk to somebody and you realize that your, your situation may not be that unique after all. The temptation and challenges that we are facing are also faced by other people. The challenges, the struggles, the temptation that we go through in life, God knows. So we need to submit it to the Lord. And scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 said this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says that no temptation is that you're encountering is not common to man. God knows it. Somebody may have faced it. That's why the cell is important. You talk about it. And somebody in the cell may say, hey, I've walked that journey before. Let me share with you. So, share, so fellowship, sharing our needs is important. I believe Peter was also recollecting his own experience. He remembered that when he was not sober-minded, when he was not alert, what happened to him? He fell. He, he, he denied Jesus three times. So he knew what it means to be sober-minded and to be alert. Our Lord Jesus Christ had to personally reach out to restore Peter in his faith and his relationship with the Lord. So we need to be sober-minded and to be alert. So Peter understood what it means, understood clearly, in order to shepherd the flock and provide oversight, it depends very much to rely on our relationship with our chief shepherd. And who is our chief shepherd? Our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why Peter mentioned that when the chief shepherd arrives, in verse 4 he says, when the chief shepherd arrives, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So at the end of the day, we will receive rewards, rewards from the chief shepherd. This unfading crown of glory means that it doesn't fade away, huh? Is there waiting for you and me, waiting for us to receive when our work on earth is done? 
is a prize that we can look forward to. Pressing forward to the prize that is ahead of us. How many of us want to receive the unfading crown of glory? Nobody, yeah. I see two hands there. I see three hands. That's all, ah. How many of you want to receive the unfading crown of glory? Not many, ah. Oh, I'm so sad. I want, no? So if you want to receive the unfading crown of glory, let's press on, ah. Let's encourage one another. Let's spur one another on so that we can receive that. And then not only that, Peter said in verse 10, he says, And after you have suffered a while, a little while, the God of grace who called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He himself will do that for you and me. He will receive us. He will restore us. And He will establish us. In other words, God will honour those who faithfully, steadfastly, loving Him and serving Him. We all want to win the race. We all want to receive the unfading crown of glory. So let us press on to love and serve the Lord the best that we know how. Allow me to conclude with this verse, and for the cell leaders, it's all in the little gift that the church gave you. This verse found in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, one of my favorite verses. It says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Shall we all read this verse together? Okay? And let's encourage each other with this verse. One, two, three. Be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, in the Lord, our labor is never in vain. We may not see it with our physical eyes, but God sees. And we will come, you know the song, Thank You. It will come, somebody will come and say, Thank you to you, something. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ thank you for being our chief shepherd thank you that you have called each one of us to follow after you may we all learn to recognize you as our chief shepherd as we journey with you Teach us what it means to submit to the authority you have given to us. Teach us what it means to be sober-minded. Teach us what it means to be watchful. So that, Lord, we can run the race. So that we can resist the devil. So that we can 
honour and glorify your name in all that we do. Yes, indeed, Lord, Lord, shepherd of our soul, we give you full control. In Jesus' name, amen.